What a great time to sing the Lord's praises, and this church just has such a great feel to it. And as soon as I walked in, I just sensed the Lord's presence here, and so uh, this is a, a great treat to be able to come. I was so into it, I didn't even know I was up yet. I was thinking, well, I guess he's already praying. I, I should probably get up there. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you for, and your pastor, for inviting me to be here tonight. Uh, I am Jeff Shreve and been pastoring at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas for 18 years. And Debbie and I just hit the 18-year mark in just about a week ago. And uh, the church is 144 years old, and 18 years is the longest that anyone has ever served there as pastor. Now, that's not doesn't bode well for the church that nobody wants to stay there longer than that. But uh, I was uh, glad to be able to hit that mark and we, uh, we're seeing the Lord do great things and so it, it has been a blessing. Well, just to let you know a little bit about me, I was working in the chemical business after I got out of college. I'm a University of Texas grad and do we have any Longhorns in the house? Uh, a couple, maybe, yeah. The Aggies always will hiss when you say that, they, and they always say the same thing. Have you ever noticed Aggies always say the same thing, whoops? I, it's kind of strange that they would say whoops, but they always say that. Anyway, uh, so I went to University of Texas and I got very, I became a Christian when I, a, when I was a senior in high school and then went to UT and you know, lots of kids go off to school, to college, and that's when they really go off the deep end spiritually. Well, I didn't. I got in with a good church. I got in with a good group uh, of guys that really helped me grow and I grew through college. And I was praying about the ministry. God, do you want me in the ministry? And uh, I never felt called to go to the ministry in college. So I said, okay. So I went back home to Houston and uh, started uh, serving at Champion Forest Baptist Church. And that's where I met my wife, Debbie. And we met in the singles group. And then uh, we got married. And I was working uh, in the, in the uh, oil field business for a couple of years. And then I worked in the trash business, waste management. Uh, worked for them for two years. You know, selling trash service is not very glamorous. I really thought was, this is about the most unglamorous job you can possibly have. But I was wrong because we added a product line, portable toilets. And so then, then it became the most un, you know, glamorous job. Did that for a couple of years and then I started working in the chemical business. I worked for a company called Nalco Chemical Company and I was doing well at the company. I was getting promoted, but I was just restless inside. I really began to pray and saying, God, I know you have something else that you want me to do. And so it was in July of 1995 that the Lord clearly called me to preach. And so I came home and told Debbie, her dad was a pastor, and I came home and told Debbie, I said, Debbie, I think the Lord is calling me to preach. I know he is, and I've had this, I've heard from the Lord, not in my ears, but in my heart. She said, you didn't hear from the Lord, that was the devil. She said, we don't want to do that. I've lived that life, we don't want that life. And uh, so I said, well, will you pray about it? She said, no. And I, I said, well, will you pray about praying about it? you know, just somewhere in there, you know. And uh, so she said, okay, I'll pray about praying about it. And it took God a long time for Debbie just to soften up. And then she finally said, she goes, you know, I don't think God has called me, but I think God's called you and he's called me to be your wife. And so I'm, I'm willing to go. And so uh, we went off to seminary and uh, it's kind of funny, my pastor, Demond Shook at Champion Forest, he, when I told him I was called in the ministry, he said, Jeff, a call to preach is a call to prepare. I said, really? 
Because I was thinking I was done with school. You know, when, when I got through in 1984 at UT, I was like, I am done with school. But now it was like going back to school again. He said, yeah, you have to go to seminary. Call the preachers, call to prepare. So we moved from Houston to go to North Carolina Southeastern Seminary. You know, seminary is 92 hours. You can finish it in three years. And I somehow miraculously finished it in five. And so I, I kind of crammed it in there, five years. I was on the five-year plan. And you know, in seminary, you learn lots of deep theological stuff. You learn lots of big words. Seminaries like big words, eschatology and soteriology and hamartology. You know, they like to get all the Greek words in there and then add ology to them. And, and so it makes you sound smart. And, uh, so you learn all this, this deep stuff. But you know what I've found? The, the most important lessons, the best lessons, the most critical lessons are just the simple lessons. Just simple, basic stuff. Years ago, Chuck Swindoll had a newsletter. And in his newsletter, he had a section in there. It was an interview with some 10-year-old boys. And it was called Stuff I've Learned. And this is what the 10-year-old said that they learned. One 10-year-old said, stuff I've learned this year. I've learned that if you eat cheesecake and laugh hard enough, it will come out your nose. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's simple, but it's good. Next time you're eating cheesecake, just remember that. One, one kid said, I have learned the difference between dog food and meatballs. They kind of look alike, you know. One little boy said, I have learned that if you don't feed a bird at least once a week, it will die. It's a good thing to learn. So tonight, I want to share a very familiar story and some basic stuff from a very familiar story. It's the story about a kid named David and a giant named Goliath. And I've entitled this message, Stuff I've Learned. Stuff I've learned, basic, simple stuff. You know, your pastor, Pastor Michael, was a football coach. And football coaches know that when a team starts to sputter and starts to, to stall out, you'll often hear guys, even pro coaches, they get interviewed, what's the matter? We're not doing the basics. We're not blocking and we're not tackling. We have to go back to basics because if a football team doesn't know how to block and doesn't know how to tackle, they're not going to win. Well, there's some basics that you need to know in the Christian life in order to be victorious, in order to walk in victory. If you don't know some basic, simple stuff, you're never going to experience the fullness of the Christian life. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's look at this great story in a message entitled Stuff I've Learned. First Samuel 17, beginning in verse 1, the scripture says this. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes-Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. Stuff I've learned, we are in a battle. Israel was in a battle. They were in a battle with the Philistines. Now, we're in a battle, but we're not fighting the Philistines. 
And we're not fighting the atheists and we're not fighting the ACLU and we're not fighting the uh, Muslims and we're not fighting the, the cultists. We're in a battle, in a spiritual battle. They're in a physical battle, we're in a spiritual battle. And the Bible says your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he has a threefold plan for your life, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's like the Terminator. If you know the the original Terminator movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, they said, don't you get it? Uh, Reese was talking to Sarah Connor. He said, this thing doesn't stop. He won't stop. He just keeps coming and coming and coming. And that's the way the devil is. He doesn't stop. He wants to steal and kill and destroy. And so we're in a battle. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Hey, stuff I've learned, number one, we're in a battle. They were in a battle. Now, here's what I want us to do as we look at this story. I want you to put yourself in the story. Sometimes when you read in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you can think, well, that was so long ago. And you kind of read it like it's some kind of movie script. This isn't a movie script. This is real life. This really happened. And there were guys that drew up in battle array at the Valley of Elah that day. And so you had Israel on one side. There's a mountain ridge over here. Israel's on this side, and they're drawing up in battle array. Saul is the king, and he's their leader, and he's leading them out to battle. And so they're there. There's the valley in between, the Valley of Elah, just a a field with tall grass. And then on this little mountain ridge, you have the Philistines, and they're camped, and they're ready for battle. They draw up in battle array. Drawing up in battle array means that you get up there, you get in formation, you look tough, you try and intimidate the other side. And so if you've ever seen the movie Braveheart. You know what that's like. So you get all the guys over here and all the guys over here and it's almost like you have a referee that blows a whistle and all these guys come off the mountain ridge into the field and all these guys, the enemy comes and then they just stab each other and they're cutting each other's heads off. They're just going for it. That's what they're getting ready to do. We are in a battle. They were in a battle. Stuff I've learned. We're in a battle. Stuff I've learned number two We are insufficient in and of ourselves for the battle. Now, what do you think it was like? You put yourself in this story. What do you think it was like? You're an Israelite. You're drawing up in battle array. You're getting ready to fight the Philistines. What do you think that's like? Do you think that's just kind of like, well, okay, we won a battle. Might get killed. Might get my head cut off today. Uh, Ho-hum. What else is going on? It's not like that at all. It, it, it's, it's, you're, you're getting ready to face the enemy. You're getting ready to, to go head to head. You might die. There is a lot of fear and adrenaline going in your heart right now because you're getting ready for a fight. Now, if you watch a football team, when they get ready for the big game, what do they do? You see them sometimes on the sidelines and they're banging their shoulder pads. You know, the guys are doing that stuff. Sometimes they're banging their heads together. What are they trying to do? They're trying to drive up the adrenaline and drive out the fear. And so you have these Israelites over here and they're saying, uh, they're you know, in battle array and one guy hits the other guy and says, you see that Philistine over there? I'm gonna get that guy. I'm gonna kill that guy. 
And the other guy comes in and goes, you see, you see those two guys? I'm going to kill those two guys over there. And the other guy says, hey, you see that whole line over there? I'm going to kill all those guys. I'm gonna, they're going to put Philistines. They're going to be running down my helmet. I'm going to get me a Philistine today. They're driving up the adrenaline to drive out the fear. But then something happens to show them that they are insufficient for the battle. Verse 4. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's nine feet, nine inches, give or take an inch. And he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. About 125 pounds is this armor that he wears uh, on his chest. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders and the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He's got a spear that's 10 feet long. It's longer than he is tall. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. Andre the giant was about seven foot three and weighed about 500 pounds. I think we could say that this guy, conservatively, weighed 600 pounds. Nine feet, nine inches tall. He's not a skinny guy. You know, when I used to watch basketball back in the day, uh, I was a really big NBA fan. There was a guy that played in the NBA. His name was Minute Bowl. Minute Bowl was seven foot six, 200 pounds. Goliath is not nine feet, nine inches tall, 210. I mean, he, he's a massive guy. And he comes down off the mountain ridge and he comes out there. He's got all this armor on. It, it, the Bible says he's got bronze greaves on his legs. He said, what in the world are bronze greaves? Those are shin guards. He wore shin guards like a catcher in baseball wears shin guards. You say, why in the world is he wearing shin guards? Because when you're nine feet, nine inches tall and you go to fight, a lot of short guys kicking you in the shins. They got nothing else to go for. So he, he covers his shins. And he's got this, this 10 foot long spear. The head of his spear weighs 15 pounds. If you've ever gone to the gym and taken 15 pounds and just held it out there like this, it gets heavy in a hurry. That's his spear. I mean, he, he could get about six of those Israelites together and throw that spear through them and make a shish kebab. This guy is massive. And he comes down off the mountain ridge, he comes through the tall grass and he stands in the middle of the valley of Elah and he calls out to the people of God, the armies of Israel, and he says, verse eight, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine? And you servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. He's calling them out. He's saying, hey, we don't have to all come off the, the uh, mountain ridge and fight. You just send me your representative. We'll fight. If he defeats me, then we'll become your servants. If I defeat him, then you become our servants. And so that is the challenge. Now, you remember these guys that were all fired up? They were all banging their shoulder pads together. When they see him coming, 
they say, <coughs> you know, one guy, you know, that was going to kill all the Philistines. You know, I, I'm just not really feeling very well today. I, you know, I think, I think I better go back to the tent. And the other guy's like, well, you know, I think there's a cold front coming through because I had some bursitis. And I, I better go back to the tent. And one by one, they began to bail out. The Bible says they were afraid and they were greatly dismayed and no one wanted to mess with Goliath. And it gets worse because it says, and the Philistine, verse 16, came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. 80 times, he's coming off the mountain ridge, he's walking that little path, he's killed all that grass, that 600 pound guy, as he comes down here and he stands and he says, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Well, so over here, they're scared to death, they're shaking in their boots. Well, what do you think it would have been like if you had been a Philistine and you have a guy on your team that's nine feet, nine inches tall and he weighs 600 plus pounds and he's calling out to those guys. I tell you, if I'd been a Philistine, I'd been laughing. I mean, it'd just be fun. It'd just be like, this is great. I mean, and, and now we don't know what Goliath looked like, but I have a sneaking suspicion that he was probably ugly and he was probably dumb. It doesn't say, I could be wrong. I mean, there's no IQ test in the Old Testament. But it, let's just say he's, he's ugly, and he, he's a big, ugly, dumb guy. And so you have the Philistines, and they're, they're sitting, you know, they'd gone to the 7-Eleven, they got a big gulp, and they got some chips, and they're saying, go, hey, Goliath, it's time, go holler at him again. And he goes, oh, okay. I'll go out there. And he goes out there. And they're keeping, they have a little chalkboard on the side of the tent. And they're keeping tabs. How many times has he been out there? Well, that's 34 times. 34 times he's yelled at them. And they're just laughing and having a big time. That's what's going on at the Valley of Elah. God's people are scared to death, shaking in their boots. And the enemies of God are having a big old time. Stuff I've learned, we're in a battle. Stuff I've learned, number two, in and of ourselves, we're insufficient for the battle. Now, meanwhile, back at the ranch, back at the sheep ranch, the Bible tells us about David, young David. He had to be 20 years old to fight in the battle. David has three brothers, three older brothers that are fighting in the battle. David couldn't go. He wasn't old enough. We don't know how old he was. But I have a guess that he's probably about 14, 15 years old. He's, he's, he's the eighth son of his father, Jesse. So he's got seven older brothers and only three of them are fighting in the battle. Only three of them are old enough to do that. So 14, 15 years old. Well, his dad says to him, now, David, I haven't heard word. I don't know what's going on at the battle. Saul is with the, the armies and your brothers are there. So, so go take these sandwiches to the commander and check out what's going on and bring word back to me. So David, he gets up early, early in the morning. He had to make a 15-mile trip to get to the Valley of Elah from Bethlehem. And he gets up early in the morning and he goes to see what's going on and to bring back word to his dad. And the Bible says, verse 20, so David arose early in the morning, left the flock with the keeper, and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. 
Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. And as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words. I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we, that we may fight together. And the Bible says, and David heard them. And when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now watch this, verse 26. That he should taunt the armies of the living God. It's different. It's different. Goliath has been telling Israel, you're the ranks of Israel. For 40 days, morning and evening, 80 times, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And David heard those words and he said, wait a minute, hold on, time out. Hey, we're not the ranks of Israel. We are the armies of the living God. Stuff I've learned, we're in a battle. We're insufficient for the battle and we get whipped in the battle. Why? Because we forget who we are in Jesus Christ. We start to believe the lies of the enemy who tells us we're nothing more than the ranks of Israel. And we forget, hey, wait a minute, we're not the ranks of Israel. We don't go by what Goliath says about us. We go by what God says about us. And God says that we are the armies of the living God. It is different. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you see yourself? Somebody said, well... You know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, that's true, but that's not the, the whole story. You're more than just an old sinner saved by grace. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're an overwhelming conqueror through Christ. You are a child of the King. You are somebody in Jesus, but we forget who we are. In the early 90s, a movie came out. When my kids were little, a movie came out. It was called The Lion King. The Lion King was huge, still huge, and they remade it. But the early Lion King uh, had the voice of James Earl Jones. He played Mufasa, the king. And Mufasa had his little son, Simba. And uh, we watched that movie with the girls, and then when it came out on dare I say it, VHS tape back in the dark ages, you know, when they had those, we got the VHS tape and we played that thing. And you know how little kids are. They just want to watch it over and over and over and over. So we watched that movie over and over and over and over. Well, there was a part in that movie, that was a great movie, but there was a part in there that always caught my attention. If you know the story, so Simba is the, the little cub and Mufasa is the great king, but then Mufasa gets killed and Uncle Scar, mean Uncle Scar, evil Uncle Scar makes Simba believe that he was the cause of his father's death. And so Simba goes and he runs away and he grows up living on the backside of nowhere. He's growing up with the pigs. 
He is supposed to be the king of Pride Rock, but he's living with the pigs. And one day, he comes face to face with a vision of his father. You remember the little monkey, Rafiki? He tells him, uh, he says, you are, I know who you are. You are Simba, you are Mufasa's boy. And he says, you knew my father, correction, I know your father. And he says, uh, let me show you to him. And he, he takes him to this, this little creek. And he says, look there. And so Simba looks and he goes, that's not my father. That's just my reflection. He says, no, look harder. And he touches the water, remember that? And then he, all of a sudden it's his dad. And his dad has that booming voice. And he says, Simba. He says, father? He says, Simba. You have forgotten me. He said, oh no, dad, I'd never forget you. He said, you've forgotten me. Look around you, look how you're living. You are more than what you've become. You are my son and you have forgotten me. And every time that would come on in the movie, my eyes would well up with tears because I would think about how God looks at us so much of the time. And he says, you're more than what you've become. You've believed the lies of the devil that you're a nothing nobody and you can't make a difference. You are more than what you become. You are my son. You are my daughter. So start living like it. You're not a victim. You're a victor in Jesus Christ. You're not a casualty. You're a conqueror through the Lord Jesus Christ. We overwhelmingly conquer, Romans 8, 37 says, through him who loved us. We are super conquerors in Christ. We need to keep telling ourselves the truth and repeating the truth. Psalm 15, verse 2 says, the righteous man speaks the truth in his heart. Hey, we're in a battle. We're insufficient for the battle. We get whipped in the battle. Why? Because we forget who we are in Jesus Christ. Stuff I've learned, number four, the greatest discouragements often come from other Christians, often come from your own team, often come from the people who should be encouraging you. So David says, he hears these words, and he says, tell me again, verse 26, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? That's basically David's way of saying, hey, how long is the line to fight this guy? And the guy's over here saying, well, it's, it's not very long a line. It's, it's, you, you got first crack and nobody wants to fight him. And then what happens? Well, David has his oldest brother there in the battle. His name was Eliab. And it says, verse 28, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men and Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart for you have come down in order to see the battle. Hey, oldest brother is calling you out in front of the guys. One version says that he said to David, David, I know that you're nothing but a cocky little brat. Oh, you're talking tough. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He should taunt the armies of the living God. Who are you? You're a shepherd boy. You're a nothing. Oh, well, who'd you leave those few little sheep with anyway? Why don't you just go back to those sheep? 
That's, that's kind of what he did. He's just, he's just making fun of him in front of the guys. And David said, what have I done now? Is it not just a question? David knew my battle is not with Eliab because he could have just said, I've had enough. We're throwing down right now. Let's go, you and me. He didn't do that. He just said, was it not just a question? And then he starts talking to the guys. He says, tell me again, what happens? What happens if you defeat Goliath? And he said, well, you get the king's daughter. You get tax-free living. You get a, it's just going to be great. He'd take you to Disney World. I mean, it's going to be awesome if you do that. So he said, sign me up. I'm doing it. And so they take him to King Saul. And they say, Saul, here, here's the deal. We found somebody to fight Goliath. Verse 31. And the words which David spoke were heard. They were told to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. Eliab says, David, you're a cocky little brat. You're here just to see the battle. You're talking tough, but there's nothing to back that up. Saul says, you can't go, David. You're just a youth. You're just a kid. He's been a warrior since his youth. The greatest discouragements often come from other Christians, from those who should encourage us. Here I am, early 30s, called into the ministry. I'm excited that God has called me into the ministry. I'm talking to an older friend in the ministry who had been a pastor for years. And I told him, I said, I said, Gerald, God's called me into the ministry. And I said, I'm going to resign my job and we're going to move from Houston to North Carolina to go to seminary. And uh, God has called me and I need to go. And he said, well, uh, how, how are you going to live? I said, well, I don't know. I said, you know, I have, I have $8,000 in the bank and I'm just going to trust God to provide a job for me. But, but I, I, I've been called. I need to go. And he said, well, how are you going to provide for your family? And I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I just have this little bit of money saved up and I'm gonna trust God to, to get me a job. And he said, well, how are you gonna buy insurance for your wife and your girls? And I said, well, I, I don't know how I'm gonna do that. I said, I, I don't think Abraham knew when God said, Abraham, go. And Abraham said, where? And God said, I'll tell you when you get there. I said, Abraham didn't know. I don't know. And he said to me, yes, but you're not Abraham. Man, that hurt when he said that. I really looked up to this guy. And I, I said to myself in my heart, I said, you know what? I may not be Abraham, but I'm going to step out in faith like Abraham did. God has called me. I'm going to step out in faith. That's what I said to myself. You know what I said to him? I think God gave me this word, these words. I said to him, I said, you know what's interesting about Abraham. I said, when God called Abraham, he wasn't Abraham either. He was Abram. He stepped out in faith and God changed his name to Abraham. My friend Gerald said, well, that's true. <laughs> hey, you want to have a ministry, a ministry that you can start tonight before you even go to bed? Enter into the ministry of encouragement. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and encourage your spouse, and encourage your parents, and encourage your brothers and sisters, and encourage uh, the people at work, and encourage your teacher at school. Encourage people. People are dying for encouragement. You know, there was a guy in the Bible, in the book of Acts, his name was Joseph, 
And Joseph was such an awesome guy. He just encouraged so many people. Everyone loved to be around Joseph because he was such a great encourager. The apostles one day said, you know, Joseph is not a good name for you. We're giving you a new name. And they gave him the name Barnabas, which translated means son of encouragement. Hey, be a son of encouragement. Be a daughter of encouragement. Encourage those around you to Stand up for the Lord and to walk by faith and not by sight. Hey, the greatest discouragements often come from other Christians. Now, finally, David won over Saul. He said, now listen, Saul, I may, he may be a warrior from his youth and I may be just a youth, but let me tell you, I killed a lion and I killed a bear uh, as I was tending sheep. And so this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be uh, like one of those because he has taunted the armies of the living God. And so Saul said to him, okay, Go. Verse 37, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with his armor. And David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I can't go with these for I have not tested them. And David took them off. And he took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Here's Saul, faithless Saul. He's the champion of Israel. He's the one that should go out and face Goliath, but he doesn't have faith enough to do that. So here is this kid, 14, 15 year old David, who says, I'll go fight him. And Saul said, okay, well, you gotta have some armor to fight him. So Saul takes off his helmet, puts it on David. Well, Saul's a big, full-grown guy. So Saul's helmet covers David's eyes. He can't see. And he gives him his sword, and he gives him his armor, and David is not able to get, he says, I can't go like this. He can barely walk. And Saul says, well, what are you going to use? He says, well, you know, I got, my, I got my shepherd's staff. I got my stick. I can beat dogs with, I beat dogs with, I got a dog whopper. I'm gonna go with a dog whopper and then I'm gonna go with my sling. I'm really good with a sling, man. I can get a rabbit on a run from 50 paces. I can hit it. I'm gonna go with what I know. Stuff I've learned. Use the gifts and talents God has given you and be yourself. God hasn't called you to be somebody else. He hasn't called me to be Franklin Graham or Jack Graham or John MacArthur or Michael Cook. He's called me to be me. He's called Michael to be Michael. He's called you to be you. You don't have to be like somebody else. God has made you to be you. And so use the gifts and talents God has given you and be yourself. Now remember this. David had something that's not recorded here in Scripture. Something that you can't borrow from the king, something that you can't get at the store, something that you can't obtain in an emergency 911 prayer. David had a deep walk with God. David knew the Lord. And David had a deep relationship with the Lord. And David was a man after God's own heart. He had a passion for God. And that was worth more than all the armor and all the weaponry in the world. Hey. Stuff I've learned. Be yourself. Use the gifts and talents God has given you and be yourself. So David says, I'm ready to go. And he says he took the sling, the stick in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch, and the sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. 
Then the Philistine, verse 41, came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. Now here's Goliath. He's this big dummy and he comes down off the mountain like he's done 40 days, 80 times. Now this is the uh, 81st time David heard him and now this is the 82nd time he comes down and he's on the battlefield and all of a sudden he sees this shepherd boy with a sling and a stick and a pouch. And he says, well, what's the shepherd boy doing out on the battlefield? Doesn't he know we have a battle going on here? And then all of a sudden it dawns on him. Hey, that's the challenger. Oh, he's, he's incensed. That's the guy they send out to fight me? This 14, 15-year-old kid? This shepherd boy with a sling and a dog whopper? And the Bible says, and the Philistine disdained him, and he said to David, verse, 30, verse 43, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Then the Philistine also said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and to the beasts of the field. Hey, little boy, I'm going to break you up in little pieces. I'm going to feed you to the pigeons. Come on to me. And when he said that, all the Israelites over here that are watching the battle, they're like, oh, David, such a nice kid. He's just going to be minced meat. I mean, this is horrible. We're going to watch this guy just get wiped out. Hey, I want to ask you a question. If you had been David, and you went out on the battlefield, and there's Goliath standing before you, nine feet, nine inches tall, 600 plus pounds, and he says, I'm gonna break you up and feed you to the pigeons. Would you have been afraid? Do you think David was afraid? See, some people think, well, David's not afraid. I would have been afraid. David's not afraid. David's a 14, 15 year old kid with a stick and a sling. You bet he was afraid, because he's human. Anybody would have been afraid. You know, sometimes we get the idea that if we're afraid, we can't do anything for the Lord. Well, I gotta wait till all the fear is gone. Paul told the Corinthians, I was with you in fear and in trembling when I came to you. There was fear in my heart when I came to Corinth. And he came anyway. Stuff I've learned, fear's okay, as long as your faith is greater than your fear. Hey, any time that we step out on the battlefield, so to speak, and we say, I'm gonna go up against this giant, whatever the giant is, well, the, the devil is going to step up the intimidation. Why? Because he wants you to, to get back on your heels. He wants you to retreat in fear. And so he's gonna tell you, I'm gonna break you up in little pieces and feed you to the pigeons. He's gonna curse you by his God, so to speak, as Goliath did. Because he, he traffics in fear. He wants you to get afraid. And so if you say, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and witness to this person at school or this person at work, but, but man, I'm just so nervous. I'm just so afraid. I don't know, maybe I'll say the wrong thing. And the fear comes, you say, I just can't do it. I'm just too afraid. I'll just wait till the fear goes away, and when the fear goes away, then I'll do it. No. You do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. 
It's okay that there's fear there. Anytime I get up to do something for the Lord, and I've been doing this for a long time now, there's still a little bit of fear. That's okay. Hey, if I'm witnessing to somebody on an airplane or in a grocery store or something like that, there's a little bit of fear there. It's okay. Fear's okay as long as your faith is greater than your fear. Now, you got to remember something about David. He's not Superman. He didn't rip open his tunic and all of a sudden there's this big S on his chest and he, he tears all that stuff and he's got Superman outfit. He flies to the Goliath, he spins him around 10 times and throws him through the mountain. That doesn't work like that for David. He's a 14, 15 year old kid with a stick and with a sling. He's afraid, there's fear and he's fighting fear but his faith is greater than his fear. And this is what he says to the Philistine. Then David, verse 45, said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I'm going to remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistine this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Man, the Israelites hear that. They're like, oh, David, don't say that. He's just going to make him mad. He's already going to kill you. And now he's just going to stomp you into the dirt. And the Philistines are over here and they hear that. They're like, who is that little punk talking to Goliath like that? Goliath, you need to get him. You need to squash him like a bug. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get him. I mean, and then the, the talking is over and the battle is on. Now, you know, if you've ever seen a fight, if you've ever seen a fight at school, schoolyard fight, it's not a quiet event. It's not like a golf tournament. Nobody has a big sign that says, quiet, please. <laughs> Have you noticed that with golf? They, you know, he's putting, quiet. They don't do that in football, basketball, he's shooting free throws. Hey, everybody be quiet, he's shooting free throws. They don't do that, they scream louder. Well, at, a, at a fight, everybody is screaming, get him, get him. And so here you have this, this weird fight with this massive guy, nine feet, nine inches tall, and you have this kid with a slingshot and a, with a sling and a stick. And everybody that day saw the giant, but David saw God. He said, there's a mismatch here. And everyone would say, yeah, it's a mismatch. It's a giant going against a kid. And David said, no, here's the mismatch. It's a giant going up against God. That's the mismatch. And this guy is going to get rocked. And so the, the battle was on and the talking was over. And the Bible says that David reached into his pouch and he took a stone and he put it in his sling. Now, the sling, it's not a slingshot like this. It's a sling like this. And David ran toward the battle line. He put that stone in there and he starts to sling that stone around in his, in his cloth sling. And you can hear it as it's whipping through the air. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. It gets faster and faster. And then he lets it go. And God takes that stone and God supercharges that stone and God rams that stone right into the forehead of Goliath of Gath. And he falls on his face. And everybody on this side for the Philistines gasped, <gasps> get up, Goliath, get up, Goliath. And everyone on this side says, get him, David, get him, David. 
And David runs. He runs past the shield carrier. He's in the tall grass and he bends down in the tall grass and you can't see what's going on. And everybody's like, what's he doing? What's going on? And all of a sudden, David pulls out Goliath's sword from his sheath and he starts to hack in that tall grass. And then he reaches down and he wraps his finger his fingers in the hair of that greasy-headed Philistine, and he pulls up the head of Goliath. And when he does that, all the fear that was on the camp of the Israelites, it just blows across the valley and leaps into the heart, hearts of the Philistines, and they run. And God's people come off the mountain with a shout, and they chase down those Philistines and they slaughter them and slaughter them and slaughter them. Stuff I've learned. God gives the victory when you step out in faith. Hey, listen, there are giants, real giants that you and I face. There are giants of lust and there are giants of doubt and there are giants of depression and there are giants of greed. There are giants of sexual immorality. There are giants of insecurity. Those are things that we face that are real, that stand in our way, that intimidate us. But I want to tell you, if you will speak the truth in your heart, this is who I am in Christ. This is what God has called me to do. I'm not a victim. I am a victor in Jesus Christ. And you'll feel the fear and step out in faith anyway you will find that God will give you the victory and you will learn the reality of 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Father in heaven, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for this awesome story. Thank you that David was a man of faith. Thank you that David saw you when everyone just saw the mismatch and just saw the giant that he saw you. Father, I just wanna pray for each person under the sound of my voice. Lord, there's some in this room tonight and they've never put their faith and trust in you. They, They can't go up against the giants in life because they don't have a personal relationship with you. They've never given their heart, their life to you. I pray that would happen tonight. Lord, as blind Bartimaeus, that blind beggar in Jericho, just cried out and said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me and how you saved that guy. You healed that guy and saved that guy. You'll save anybody who will come to you in repentance and faith. And I pray that would happen tonight so that men and women, boys and girls would be able to stand up to the giant in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for Christians tonight, Christians who are discouraged, Christians who need to Uh, to get back on the battlefield, Christians who have been retreating to the tent and they need to know God has called me and I'm not the ranks of Israel. I am part of the armies of the living God. And Lord, that we would walk in your ways. We'd feel the fear and we'd do it anyway. And we'd remind ourselves every single day of who we are in Christ. Lord, that you would help us walk by faith and not by sight. God, I pray in this time of invitation that you'd be drawing people to make decisions that would be life-changing for all eternity. Lord, for those who don't have a church home, that they would say, this is where God wants me. God, there is such a great spirit in this place. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless this time as we sing, as the pastors come, as the steps are open for people to pray. Lord, have your way. 
touch hearts, and that decisions would be made all to your glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? If God has spoken to your heart tonight, you know you need to make a decision. If you know you're not ready to to meet the Lord because you don't have a personal relationship with Him, if you were to die tonight, you're not ready, you come tonight and get that right. Hey, if if you've been getting wiped out and, and whipped in your Christian life, tonight's the night to come to the altar and just say, God, I, I'm, I want to be your man, your woman. I want to be the person you want me to be. Let the Lord have his way as we sing.